Welcome to Divorce Explained, the podcast where we answer your questions and navigate the process of divorce together. Sharing real stories and personal experiences, this is your guide through it all. With your hosts, family law specialist Steve Benmore and divorce lawyer and strategist Leanne Townsend. On the subject of how to prepare for the meeting with your family lawyer, the first meeting for your with your family lawyer some would think that's a fairly silly question i mean nobody gets lectured on how to prepare for the first meeting with your accountant or your family doctor or your plumber why is it that we even need to have a session with two senior family law lawyers advising our followers on how to prepare for that meeting answer because it's a really important meeting It's so important because it sets the stage for all steps in a person's tortuous process through the journey of separation and divorce leading to the next chapter of their life. The meeting with the family lawyer is almost like meeting with your architect because what you're really doing is you're designing the next stage of your life. And to get to that that stage, certain foundational elements need to occur. But you would never hire an architect who doesn't have the same values or skills that you need. So a lot of lawyers actually have very much chameleon-like skills. They can be assertive, they could be mediative, they could be educational. They can serve in many different ways. And it's, it's in that first meeting that the client gets to say, first of all, what are my different options? Like, educate me about what are the different routes that I can take to get there. You know, if you go on Google Maps and you want to know how to get from A to B, oftentimes it'll tell you, well, if you walk, this is the route and this is how long it takes. If you drive, this is the route and this is how long it takes. And in fact, in some cases, it'll even go so far as to show you which buses or trains to take to get there. Well, similarly, that first meeting with your family law lawyer should be where you say, here's where I am. Here's where I want to go, but I'm not the specialist. I'm not the expert. Help me identify the different avenues to get there. Some of them are going to be very fast. Some of them are going to be very slow. Some of them are going to be very expensive. Some of them are going to be very inexpensive. Some of them are going to involve a lot of work. Some will involve less work. And all of these are the proper analyses that should occur in the first meeting no different no different if you were sitting down with an architect you would want to know what are my options on the lot that i have can i build three stories can i have a garage under the main floor these are important questions to ask the expert who has built that house before or built a person's journey through a divorce before And then once you know what those avenues are, then you can start asking questions as to the values associated with each one. Perfect example. A lot of people, and I talk to people all the time and they say to me, I didn't hire a lawyer when we split up because I didn't want to upset my spouse. And that's unfortunately a misnomer. There's some truth to it because in some cases, somebody can hire a lawyer that lawyer will write a really nasty letter to the spouse as the first impression. And everything starts from that first false move. And so 
hiring a lawyer is not a bad move, but hiring a lawyer and being very clear on what the lawyer should and should not do, which requires you to first learn what your options are, which requires you to first understand what the uh, consequences are, both economic and otherwise, socially. And then once you are fully informed, then you can give your, in effect, your representative, your employee, because a lawyer is your employee. You can give your employee the marching orders that match your family values. And so it, oftentimes people simply show up at our office and, and Leanne, I'm waiting to hear from you on this is, do do the do the clients come to the office and ask you all these questions and you engage in a lengthy discussion or do they just want you to kind of get going just do it right away and do what right away because we haven't established what the do and what the goal is what has been your experience i i find a lot of times when clients first meet with me or prospective clients first meet with me um they don't come in with a lot of questions some do but um, a lot of them come, you know, they they have a problem or they're in a situation and they come to the consultation and they haven't prepared questions. And quite often um, they may have a need just to almost unload. Like they've got this problem that they, and they're stressed and they're anxious and they don't know what to do and they haven't been able to talk about it with anyone and they've been waiting patiently for that first meeting. And so they get in front of me and they just need to unload it and so um if i recognize that that's what they need to do i i of course i'm going to be responsive to that and let them do it and try not to interrupt as they're you know unloading their thoughts and their feelings because i find interrupting with a lot of questions can, can i think that is hard for them so, yeah so, yeah it breaks things up so i try to just respect and let them talk let them get it out um, and then, you know, I'll have some very pointed questions that, that I need to go through. But I highly recommend to people that before they meet for that initial consultation, that they prepare their own list of questions, that they should come in with their own agenda um, about the meeting. Because as, as Steve mentioned a few minutes ago, as a lawyer, we are your employee. So you want to make the most of that, you know, if you paid for a one hour consultation, you want to make the most of that hour and come out of it with whatever specific questions you have answered, or at least um, an idea of why they couldn't be answered, you know, because we can't answer everything necessarily in a one hour consultation, because sometimes we need more information. Um, we might need financial information that, that we don't have in that one hour. We might need just more general information about your matter before we can give you really specific advice. But come in with an agenda and an, an idea of what you want to know. And it's really, really important that you use that time to get a feel for this lawyer are they somebody that you think you can work with because you are going to have a very close relationship you know you're going through a separation and divorce is, is stressful um and it can be complicated not not all matters are complicated but it can be complicated and you want to make sure that this person that you're speaking to in a consultation is somebody that you feel comfortable talking to um, that they're not dismissive of you, that you feel you don't feel embarrassed to ask a question that maybe you think is a dumb question, and it's probably not a dumb question because no questions are, are dumb, really. Um, but you 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 don't want to feel intimidated by them. You don't want to feel 
that they're not compassionate towards you. Um, you you really want to feel that this is somebody that you can talk to, be open with, um, and that you can work with without feeling you know any form of intimidation or discomfort. Absolutely. You know, I um, you know, I, I love these uh, IG lives with you, Leanne, partly because you say something and it makes my brain go in 12 different directions. And so on the subject of preparing for the first meeting with your lawyer, you know, one question that I, I philosophize about is, is that meeting a meeting between two people? Or is that a meeting that is an interview? Um, is that a meeting where the one person wants information and the other person wants to feel understood, wants to feel like somebody is in their corner. A lot of these considerations are not really vocalized when it comes to that meeting because the lawyer doesn't know the client and the client doesn't really know the lawyer. And so they don't even know one another's personality. They don't even know how one another communicates. How do they ask questions? Um, how do you know when someone is confused with your answer? Are you able to read their facial expressions? Uh, that, that's very difficult in a first meeting with anybody. And so one of the things that I try to do for first meetings um, is exactly what you just said, Leanne, which is treat it as an opportunity for the other person to feel like there's somebody that's listening to them, somebody that understands them, and as much as we lawyers are really good at Q&A, like we want to know like, what, okay, date of marriage, date of separation, how many children, what's everybody's ages, where do you live, a house, where do you have a house, so on and so forth. If you ask those questions, which by the way are very important questions, but if you ask those questions, it breaks the flow of the other person's journey in forming a rapport with their lawyer. And there will be a time and a place for those Q&As. And I sometimes ask people in advance of the meeting to send me just a, a one-page summary of all of the basic information, all the basic information that, you know, we sometimes call it tombstone data, right? The, you know, date of marriage, date of separation, date of birth, all those things, you know, the assets. And then in some cases, I'll even say, you know, please add to the list of data your, your most burning three questions so that I already know what's in their head because the burning question for them might be very different than for me. So for them, the burning question will be, do I get to keep the silverware? Well, that's certainly not high on my list, but for them it might be. And, and then it's important because I might ask a couple questions about the silverware or, or, you know, what religion will our children be raised in? That might be the most important question. How will I know that? Um, in preparation for that meeting. So I will ask oftentimes, but back to the viewer who's listening to this, don't wait for the lawyer to ask. Prepare that summary. Send it to them in advance. Yeah. Don't send them 100 pages. Send them the one pager. You know, the basic data, who you are, who's your spouse, when you met, when you split up, if you're still living together, um, obviously anything that's pressing um, like, for example, you're in court tomorrow and you need a help on that. Um, and of course, um, list your, your burning questions. And that at least creates a little connection before the first meeting. 
And then one more point I would make, and this is really important. I, I say this to people all the time. Don't go alone. Go with somebody you love, somebody that loves you. If it's a phone call, have them join the call. These days, that's very easy. If it's a Zoom call, give them the Zoom link and ask the lawyer if it's okay if you bring a friend with you or a family member. So all of these things um, go towards exactly what we, Leanne and I are saying, which is make this meeting a really robust, healthy, solid, informative, rapport-building meeting. Yes. And, you know, on the that latter point about having someone come with you, I think that can be really important. Like, just like when you're meeting with, say, you have a medical situation and you're meeting with a specialist, it's very common for people to have a family member there because sometimes, you know, when we're stressed and we're anxious, we don't always listen um, as, as closely to what a professional is telling us because our, our minds are running a mile a minute. And so sometimes it's helpful to have somebody else there with you to absorb that information or, and they may have, you know, some questions and that are important questions to be asked as well. So I think it's a great idea to have someone who, you know, cares about you and loves you and has your well-being at heart, um, you know, at the meeting. Um, I, I think that's really important. And then just on the issue of sending stuff beforehand, um, I know in, in my firm, we generally send out a, a, a very brief questionnaire to people to get some of that, you know, just background data um, before the meeting. Um, but I also have had people send me documents sometimes before the meeting. But um, what I was going to say for listeners, if, if you do have documents that you want the lawyer to review before the meeting, and, and these are documents that maybe the the lawyer doesn't know exists yet because you haven't had the consultation. Um, I would recommend that you send it at the time that you set up the consultation, you should forward that material and say, you know, look, I have these documents that I'd like you to review prior to the meeting. I've had people sometimes send them, you know, maybe five minutes or, or you know, 15 minutes or whatever, or half an hour even before the meeting. And I might be in another meeting before that meeting or on another call. And so that's, you, you can't be assured that I'll have a chance to review them before I hop into the meeting or, or to do the consultation. So if there is something that you, you want the lawyer to review beforehand, give them as much notice as possible so that they have time to review it before the meeting and then they don't use up the, the consultation time having to review it. Absolutely. Um, another few things that I just want to remind our viewers, we're living in another world right now with respect to the use of technology. And so, you know, even right now, as we are conducting this IG Live, people could see our facial expressions. They could see the speed of our speech. They could see when we pause. Um, by way of an example, uh, earlier today, I had a um, Zoom with a couple that uh, were... Um, looking for a family law mediator and um, they wanted to speak with me together. Um, obviously they weren't in the same room because they've already separated, but they wanted to meet with me by Zoom. And I say this to our viewers, why? Because as soon as the call started, I can see by looking on their faces, the amount of stress and sadness and anguish that was there. Uh, the The wife was um, was obviously crying before she got on the Zoom and um, she was all choked up. Uh, the husband was very apprehensive. I wasn't the one that called them. They asked to speak with me, but it was clear to me that the way I was gonna conduct that meeting was going to be extremely sensitive to their emotional state. 
And these days, we do a lot of our intakes either by email or by phone. And I can't stress enough the importance of live or at least Zoom communication because we live in a world where it's just so easy to go the route of digital or email or text and we lose the ability to really connect with the person and to respect their state of mind and their emotional state. Let's not forget, family law includes the words family and family includes something very personal. This is not about hiring a plumber or even an architect, as I said before. This is very personal to people. And so where possible, I would invite people who are thinking of having a meeting to do it either live or do it by Zoom, which affords both sides, the lawyer and the client, the opportunity to really understand, hear, listen, and appreciate who is in front of them. Um, because each side entering into that meeting, that first meeting, they may have a very different agenda. The lawyer's agenda might be, I just want to learn everything I know. I need to know about this case. The client's agenda might, might be, I just want this person to understand me. And they might be operating on two very different tangents. And so it's really helpful for there to be an appreciation of what the agenda is for the meeting. And so if you're entering into a meeting, let the lawyer know what you really want to get out of this meeting. And if you really are a facts-based person, just tell them, I'm looking for three answers to these three questions. Okay. But if you're looking to determine if this lawyer has the skill set, the, uh, the understanding, um, the personal skills to be able to be with you for weeks, months, maybe years, as you journey through this very important time of your life, uh, then treat that appointment not as a fact-finding mission, but as a psychosocial journey where you're actually measuring whether you're on the same wavelength. Definitely. And I think another thing, um, you know, listeners should keep in mind when they're first meeting with a, a lawyer is um, to, 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 to determine, you know, what um, type of lawyer they think is going to be the best fit for them. Like some people um, need more handholding. And, and, and if you know that that's your personality, then that's one of the things that you're going to be wanting to assess when you're meeting with this lawyer. Is this somebody who seems like that would be their approach, that they're going to hold my hand? They're, you know, they're, they're more communicative about little details and things like that. Or do they seem to, you know, not have that side of them or I don't feel that or don't or you don't feel that it's there as much and if you and if you don't need as much hand holding then you know that's not something that's going to be as important to you but you need to think what what are the most important things that you need from this relationship and in that consultation try and assess if those are qualities that you think this person has um, you also wanted to think about your your budget of course um, you know and and it's fair to ask um, your lawyer about their if, if they're not telling you in the consultation to, you know about their fees and you know a very common question I get is you know how much do I think this is going to cost and um, I always think that's a very valid question and something that should be discussed um, but it often is difficult to answer at the consultation stage because um, at that point we may not know is this going to end up in court or is this going to go to mediation or is this you know how is this going to be dealt with and the cost can be very different depending on the path that it goes in but it is a conversation that 
I think it's very fair to bring up. And when you're discussing the lawyer's fees with him or her, um, obviously the more experienced the lawyer is, usually the, the higher their hourly rate is. But it's also important to understand that, you know, um, some cases may call for someone who is very experienced, but there's often some, there's often junior lawyers out there. I know um, Steve has some lawyer, a couple of lawyers at his firm that are, don't have his level of experience, but they work with Steve. And I have a junior lawyer um, at my firm who, again, she's not nearly as experienced as I am, but she works with me. And uh, you know, if you have a tighter budget, often working with these junior lawyers, um, knowing that they can go to a more senior lawyer for advice and mentorship and, and to oversee things um, can be a very cost-effective solution. And, and there are some, some junior lawyers whose rates are lower, but who are very, very good lawyers. So um, sometimes the lawyer's rate, you know, isn't necessarily reflective of how much dedication they'll have to the file and, and how competent they are. So again, it's important to get that feel for them when you're speaking to them in that, in that initial consultation. Well, we hope, hope this has been helpful for uh, our viewers. Um, it's, it's, a, it's an important subject, one that's very rarely talked about openly. Um, and um, as a lawyer myself, I do a lot of second opinions, and I've been a lawyer on cases as the lawyer number two or three or four for, for certain cases. And um, one thing that you know I, I, I always am troubled by is when people bounce around from lawyer to lawyer to lawyer, and it takes us right back to the very subject that we hoped to address today, which is how to make that first appointment a successful one. Because if you do plan for that meeting and it and it meets your needs then you're going to not be in a situation where you're bouncing around from lawyer to lawyer because you made the right choice you did the right research you asked the right questions and you started the relationship on the right foundation so we hope that today was a helpful day for those people that will listen to this in the future before attending that first appointment with their lawyer yes thanks everyone for joining us today and we'll be back next week with a new topic bye everybody bye. thanks for tuning in to today's episode of divorce explained if you enjoyed it don't forget to head on over to instagram and follow at steve benmore and at leanne townsend life for more and if you're looking for specific divorce services you can visit benmore.com and leannetownsend.ca we hope today's episode made you feel informed and inspired as you move along through your divorce journey. Tune in next week for Divorce Explained.